Psychophysiological Fidelity, a comparative study of stress responses to real and simulated clinical emergencies. The authors are Russell Peake, Lee Moore and Rachel Arnold from the Department for Health at the University of Bath in the UK. Introduction. Simulation is used extensively in health professions education to facilitate learning and assessment in a safe controlled environment. Despite considerable research into knowledge and skill acquisition through simulation, there are relatively few studies exploring learners' stress responses. Psychophysiological changes have been reported in learners during clinical simulation, but without comparison to matched real-world events. The importance of understanding stress responses in different conditions is illustrated by a study of anaesthetic procedural skills training, which found that a simulated environment failed to generate the same stress responses as those observed during simulation in a clinical environment. The accurate representation of real-world stimuli is regarded as important in simulation design and effectiveness, but learner responses are rarely considered when conceptualising fidelity. Furthermore, educators vary in their beliefs about when and under what conditions psychological stress might benefit or harm learning. If we do not understand the experience of stress in different learning environments, we risk failing to optimise the potential value of simulation in preparing for clinical practice. The experience of psychological stress is the result of a transaction between an individual and their environment, with evidence that stress responses, for example increase in heart rate, are modulated by conscious and subconscious cognitive processing. The biopsychosocial model of challenge and threat proposes that physiological stress responses are driven by a largely subconscious appraisal of a potential stressor and personal resources available to cope with its demands. A challenge state occurs if resources are appraised as meeting or exceeding situational demands, while a threat state results when perceived demands exceed resources. Challenge and threat states have been studied using self-reports of perceived demands and resources, and by observing specific patterns of cardiovascular reactivity in motivated performance situations. A challenge state is characterised by relatively higher cardiac output and lower peripheral vascular resistance than a threat state, and has been associated with superior performance in high-pressure environments, for example elite sport, the military and healthcare. Psychophysiological stress responses may be amenable to training, offering the potential to enhance performance in acutely stressful situations. In contrast to self-report measures, cardiovascular monitoring can be carried out continuously with minimal risk of bias, for example, social desirability, and without redirecting attention from other tasks. Heart rate variability, or HRV, is a natural phenomenon reflecting variation in initiation and conduction of electrical depolarization of the heart. Heart rhythm and contractility are adjusted under autonomic nervous system control, and HRV analysis can provide information about the relative activity of parasympathetic and sympathetic branches. The high frequency spectral band is associated with parasympathetic activity, whereas low frequency power has been attributed to sympathetic activity or the balance of autonomic activity. It has been suggested that HRV responses to acutely stressful situations might reflect challenge and threat states, with a threat state 
linked with decreases in high-frequency HRV. Theoretical models of neurovisceral integration propose that higher parasympathetic tone is associated with better emotional and health regulation, social functioning and executive cognitive performance. High-frequency power as a correlate of parasympathetic tone may also be predictive of attentional capacity and performance in tasks requiring cognitive control and short-term memory. As healthcare simulation aims to facilitate learning and performance enhancement that transfers to real-world practice, it is important that simulation generates realistic and representative psychophysiological stress responses. This study therefore examined whether measurable differences exist in psychophysiological stress responses, that is, challenge and threat states, state anxiety and high-frequency HRV, to acutely stressful events in simulated compared with real-world clinical conditions. A secondary aim was to empirically assess the postulated relationship between challenge and threat states and high-frequency HRV. Study design and methods. Following institutional approval, advanced nurse practitioners and foundation general practice and paediatric specialty trainees working in neonatal medicine in a large UK district general hospital with about 6,000 births per year were invited to participate in the study. Individuals taking regular prescription medications which affect HRV or with cardiac pacemaker or vagal nerve stimulated devices were excluded from participation. A power calculation based on the results of a study of acute assessment related stress suggested that a minimum of eight participants would be required to detect differences in high frequency HRV. Informed consent was obtained after participants received verbal and written information about the study. Specifically, participants were advised that the decision whether or not to take part would have no impact on their training, supervision or assessment. Data were collected during normal scheduled working shifts. Participants were asked to record perceptions of stress before and after attending births as a neonatal first responder, that is bleep holder, and before or after similar in-situ training simulations. They were also asked to wear an electrocardiogram monitor to record HRV during the shift. Participants were familiar with the environment and equipment through induction training and regular involvement in routine in-situ simulation. Simulation scenarios required participants to demonstrate basic newborn life support skills to manage thermal control, airway, breathing and circulation using an advanced life support baby mannequin as practiced in local training and accredited courses. To replicate real world practice, participants received a handover briefing before simulation providing clinical information such as gestation and labor history. Participants were told that performance in simulation would not be assessed, but debrief and verbal feedback would be offered afterwards. Simulation was facilitated by an experienced instructor who is also a member of the senior neonatal medical team. The facilitator had no responsibility for summative assessment or progression decisions for study participants, but was involved in routine clinical support, supervision and training on the neonatal unit. 12 participants took part in 61 events, 10 simulations and 51 real-world emergency calls. Mean participant age was 33 years, 8 participants were female.
mean experience since professional qualification was six years. Participants represented neonatal team diversity with four general practice trainees, three junior and four senior paediatric trainees and one advanced neonatal nurse practitioner. All participants had training in newborn life support and previous simulation experience. Clinical support was always available from a senior colleague. Participants recorded the intervention required after attending real-world emergencies and reported the perceived realism of simulation scenarios. See Table S2 for further details. Self-report items were completed immediately before and after attendance for neonatal resuscitational stabilisation or participation in a similar training simulation. Items were completed in less than two minutes and did not interfere with routine clinical care. Specifically, participants reported challenge and threat appraisals using items adapted from the cognitive appraisal ratio. Demand evaluations were assessed by asking how demanding do you or did you expect the resuscitation or stabilisation to be, rated on a six-point Likert scale from one, not at all, to six extremely. Resource evaluations were measured on the same scale in response to the prompt, how able are you or were you to manage the clinical situation? Consistent with previous research, a demand resource evaluation score was calculated by subtracting evaluated demands from resources with a range from minus five to plus five, such that a negative value indicated a threat appraisal, i.e situational demands exceed coping resources, and a zero or positive value indicated a challenge appraisal, i.e. resources match or exceed demands. The state scale of the short state trait anxiety inventory was used to assess state anxiety. The STAI includes six items, i.e. I feel calm, tense, upset, relaxed, content and worried, measured on a four-point Likert scale from one, not at all, to four, very much. Calm, relaxed and content items were reversed before item scores were summed and multiplied by a correction factor, 20 over six, for comparability with the full STAI state scale, with a range from 20 to 80, where a larger value indicates higher state anxiety. The STAI is a valid and reliable indicator of state anxiety in a range of settings, including medical simulation. Participants wore a three-lead ECG monitor for continuous recording of heart rate and rhythm, a Pharos 180 from the Bitium Corporation in Finland. They were asked to press an event marker button on the ECG monitor when starting a simulation or attending a delivery. The monitor is lightweight and can be worn under scrubs or other clothing without interfering with normal activities. Five-minute segments were analysed using QBOS software at baseline, i.e. rest, anticipation, i.e. after an emergency call but before treatment commenced, during the event, and recovery, i.e. 20 minutes after each event. Automatic artefact correction was checked with visual inspection of the ECG trace to confirm correct artefact identification. High frequency power was of particular interest given its association with parasympathetic activity and evidence for parasympathetic withdrawal in acutely stressful situations. Absolute high frequency power in the range 0.15 to 0.4 Hz was calculated using autoregressive modeling with a model order of 16. 
the natural logarithm transformation of absolute high-frequency power was used in statistical analyses as an estimate of vagal tone at normal breathing rates. Data were analysed in R. After data cleaning, missing values were analysed for frequency and distribution. There was no missing demand resource evaluation score or state trait anxiety inventory data. ECG recording artefact affected 18% of events. As this occurred unpredictably, data were treated as missing at random. Variables were analysed for central tendency and distribution, with potential outlying values identified using a z-score cutoff of over 3.29. Two events were associated with multiple outlying HRV values and were excluded from further analyses. Data were available from other events for these participants. Linearity of relationships between variables was assessed with scatter plots. To explore potential differences between conditions, that is real-world versus simulated events, mean demand resource evaluation score and state trait anxiety inventory were compared with independent t-tests. Effect sizes were estimated with hedges g, with values of 0 0.2, 0 0.5 and 0 0.8, reflecting small, medium and large effects respectively. Fisher's exact test was used to compare categorical challenge, that is, demand resource evaluation score equal to zero or greater than zero, and threat, demand resource evaluation score less than zero, appraisals between conditions. Relationships between high-frequency HRV, time point and condition were explored using a linear mixed effect model with participant as the random effect. A mixed effects model allows for interpersonal variation in HRV, is appropriate to analysis of repeated measures data with missing values, and is relatively robust to violations of distributional assumptions. Model fit was estimated using restricted maximum likelihood in the LME4 package for R. Analysis of deviance within models was performed using type 3 walled F tests with Kenwood-Roger degrees of freedom. QQ plots were used to examine normality of residuals. Results are reported as beta estimates representing mean high-frequency HRV with 95% confidence intervals. Planned post-hoc pairwise comparisons were made with Holm-Bonferroni corrections. Pearson product moment correlation coefficients were used to explore potential relationships between demand resource evaluation score and state trait anxiety inventory in anticipation and recovery. Finally, differences in state trait anxiety inventory and high frequency HRV between challenge and threat groups were compared with independent t-tests. Results. In both real world and simulated conditions, demand resource evaluation score was higher after events than beforehand. In simulation, this change was driven primarily by a re-evaluation of personal coping resources rather than a reduction in evaluated situational demands. In addition, demand resource evaluation score was significantly lower in simulation than in real-world conditions. Threat appraisals were more likely after simulated events than real-world conditions. Fisher's exact test, P equals 0.028. State anxiety was higher in simulation compared with real-world conditions at both time points, although this difference was not statistically significant. In real-world and simulated conditions, high-frequency HRV reduced from baseline to anticipation.
it remained relatively stable during events before increasing in recovery, particularly in simulated conditions. The mixed effects model of high-frequency HRV demonstrated statistically significant effect of time point, but not condition. However, planned post-hoc simultaneous tests for general linear hypotheses demonstrated a statistically significant difference in high-frequency HRV between real-world and simulated conditions in recovery, p equals 0.031, such that high-frequency HRV was higher and closer to baseline in recovery after simulation. There was a significant moderate negative correlation between demand resource evaluation score and state trait anxiety inventory. R equals minus 0.61, P is less than 0.001. State anxiety was significantly lower in participants appraising events as a challenge rather than a threat, with a mean difference of 16.5 points, with a 95% confidence interval from 12.5 to 20.4. In relation to the secondary aim of this study, there was no statistically significant correlation between demand resource evaluation score and high-frequency HRV, and no significant difference in high-frequency HRV between participants appraising events as a challenge or a threat. Finally, it is worth noting that simulation scenarios were evaluated as realistic by participants. See Table S2 in supplementary materials. Moreover, the clinical intervention required in real-world events and simulated scenarios were similar, with no infant requiring advanced life support, that is, no intervention beyond thermal control and airway management, breathing support and cardiac compressions. For further details of study results, please see the figures and tables in the paper. Discussion this study demonstrated significant differences in psychophysiological stress responses to simulated versus real-world acute clinical events. Simulated events were associated with increased likelihood of threat appraisal, that is, situational demands exceed personal coping resources, and greater state anxiety. Interestingly, mean state anxiety in anticipation of simulation was above the threshold often considered to indicate clinically significant anxiety that is, over 39. The observed association between threat appraisal and state anxiety is in keeping with theory and prior research. A criticism often levelled at laboratory-based psychophysiological studies is the possibility of a strong observer effect. Participants in the current study were effectively unobserved in real-world practice, other than continuous ECG recording, which provided no direct feedback. In contrast, simulation involved observation and interaction with the facilitator. In an ethnographic study, student paramedics regarded all simulation as assessed in some way, even if explicitly not designed or used for assessment, as in the current study. Thus, an observer effect or implicit association with assessment may underlie the stress appraisal and state anxiety responses to simulated events. Indeed, Threat appraisals are more likely to occur when an individual feels socially stigmatised, is interacting with individuals with perceived higher status, or when the interaction violates expectations. Studies have shown that uncontrollable or socio-evaluative stresses, where others could negatively judge performance, are most likely to provoke a threat response. This challenges the assumption that the simulation provides a safe space in which to gain confidence and develop personal resources to apply in real-world practice. 
it would be interesting to explore whether peer-facilitated simulation affects stress appraisals by altering the observer-participant dynamic. Experiencing challenge or threat states can influence component processes of motor performance, such as visual attentional control and muscular activity, and thus affect overall performance quality. In a threat state, individuals may invest greater effort in self-regulation, drawing resources from a finite pool for managing thought, emotion and behaviour. Considering the visuomotor skills required to successfully manage the resuscitation of critically ill patients, it is relevant to note that individuals who consciously focus on regulating motor skill execution, a process known as reinvestment, perform poorly. Furthermore, emotions such as anxiety can contribute to learner cognitive load during simulation. The findings of this study therefore have implications for the use of simulation in high-stakes competence-based assessment. If simulation causes threat appraisals and greater anxiety, performance in simulation may not provide an accurate reflection of competence in real-world emergencies. The drop in high-frequency HRV from baseline in real-world and simulated conditions is also relevant to performance, given the positive association between parasympathetic tone and social functioning, attentional control, cognition and short-term memory. Each of these functions is important to providing effective emergency medical care. The change in high-frequency HRV from baseline to anticipation and from anticipation to during events was similar across conditions, but high-frequency HRV returned further towards baseline after simulated events than real-world emergencies. High-frequency HRV was only assessed and analysed at a single time point after events, but this raises the interesting question of whether physiological consequences of acutely stressful situations persist for longer in real-world settings, and if so, for how much longer. The possibility of a persisting effect is particularly relevant to intense environments with frequent, acutely stressful events and little time for recovery in between. Intervention strategies to optimise psychophysiological stress responses, for example arousal reappraisal, might be particularly beneficial in such workplaces. Observed patterns of change in high-frequency HRV may reflect differential activation of sympathetic adrenomedullary and hypothalamic pituitary adrenocortical axes. The sympathetic adrenomedullary response is fast in onset, consistent with the initial change observed in both conditions. Sympathetic adrenomedullary activation may be adaptive to the demands of a medical emergency. There is evidence that acute psychophysiological stress responses can facilitate stimulus response learning. Because resuscitation training programs aim to teach a shared algorithmic approach to life support, a sympathetic adrenomedullary response may be beneficial to the learning and retention of these skills. HPA responses are slower in onset with cortisol peaking 20 to 40 minutes after the onset of a stressful event. Recovery to baseline is also prolonged, taking 40 to 60 minutes after resolution of the stressor. The sustained high-frequency HRV changes in real-world conditions might imply prolonged sympathetic adrenomedullary activation or greater hypothalamic pituitary axis activity. This is potentially maladaptive given the long-term impact of cumulative stress on immune function and health. An important difference between real-world and simulating conditions was the use of feedback and debrief after simulation. While the primary intention was educational, 
it is possible that approaches to facilitate reflection and experiential learning also support recovery and restoration of high-frequency HRV. Simulation debrief typically involves several phases, including opportunities to discuss emotional responses, thought processes and decision-making, as well as the knowledge and skills underpinning successful management of the situation. Interestingly, a similar pattern of change in response to simulation and debrief has been reported previously with recovery of tranquility, that is a positive low arousal state, observed in medical students after debriefing. Unless there is a poor or unexpected outcome, debrief is not routinely carried out after attending emergency calls in real-world practice. Investigating the effect of debrief on psychophysiological responses to acutely stressful real-world events would add to the findings of the current study. Real-world emergencies occurred with greater frequency than simulation during this study. It is thus possible that greater familiarity with real-world conditions might have contributed to the observed differences, for example, lower anxiety in real-world events. Furthermore, simulation was planned and could therefore be anticipated, while real-world events occurred unpredictably with little notice. However, previous research has found no difference in perceived stress between unannounced and routinely planned simulation. A major strength of this study is the within-subjects design, which allowed comparison of psychophysiological stress responses in real-world and simulated conditions while controlling for potential inter-individual differences in HRV due to factors including age, physical activity and fitness. Challenge and threat appraisals and state anxiety were recorded prospectively, with the same instruments used in real-world and simulated conditions. Simulation scenarios were designed and evaluated to ensure they reflected real-world clinical care as closely as possible. Potential limitations include that the study was designed to identify whether measurable differences exist in psychophysiological responses to real-world and simulated events, rather than to explore causation. Because psychophysiological stress responses involve interacting systems, for example the sympathetic adrenomedullary and hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axes, Observing systems in isolation will give a relatively limited understanding of the impact of psychophysiological phenomena on health. In this study, challenge and threat appraisals and high-frequency HRV provided complementary but differing views of the psychophysiological stress responses. The addition of other biomarkers, such as salivary cortisol, would provide a more comprehensive picture of where the stress responses differ between simulated and real-world emergencies. Future research could also usefully explore whether challenge and threat appraisals in anticipation of clinical emergencies are amenable to intervention, for example, arousal reappraisal. Conclusion This study compared psychophysiological responses to acutely stressful events in real-world and simulated conditions in early career postgraduate clinicians. The observed differences in challenge and threat appraisals, state anxiety and high-frequency HRV are relevant to healthcare education, clinical performance and learner health and well-being. Participant responses should be considered an important component of simulation fidelity. Educators should consider whether it is possible to design simulation training so that the psychological experience is more closely matched to real-world clinical practice. Further research might usefully explore whether peer-facilitated simulation or other interventions, for example arousal reappraisal, result in more optimal psychophysiological stress responses.
for example, akin to a challenge state. While simulation may facilitate interventions aimed at optimising clinicians' stress responses, it is vital that researchers confirm that outcomes transfer to real-world clinical practice. Mm -hmm.